From Susan G. Komen, this is Real Pink, a podcast exploring real stories, struggles, and triumphs related to breast cancer. We're taking the conversation from the doctor's office to your living room. As we celebrate Black History Month, it's our honor to be joined today by a woman truly making history and one that I know we'll be seeing much more from in the future. Dr. Zainab Shonabare recently graduated from her PhD in 2022 is a reproductive cancer researcher at Yale University and the first black postdoctoral researcher in her lab. Her story underscores why representation matters and diversity in research is so important. Dr. Shonebare is here today to share her story and to tell about the focus of her research. And I can't wait to get started. It's so great to meet you and welcome to the show. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor and a privilege to be here today. So thank you. This is going to be a fantastic discussion. I'm, I'm excited about it. Tell our listeners a little about yourself and what you're currently doing. What's your current day look like and, and what's your journey look like to get here? Oh, absolutely. Um, so I'm Zainab Shonibare. I'm currently a postdoctoral cancer researcher at Yale University School of Medicine where I'm focused on reproductive cancers. Well, what this means is just the cancer of the female reproductive system. Uh, I'm an immigrant. I'm originally from Nigeria, and that was where I completed my bachelor's degree in, bio in biochemistry before moving to the United States in 2017 to begin my PhD at USC, South Carolina. And in 2019, I moved, I transferred alongside my advisor to the University of Alabama at Birmingham to complete my PhD in 2022. And so, and that is me. Wow, okay, that's that's a lot of academic rigor. So congratulations on that. I'm uh, uh, profoundly impressed. And so, so what so what do you do right now? What's your, what do your days look like? Um, so right now, um, cause I'm doing a postdoctoral cancer research and that involves a lot of things. Um, majorly it is heavily research-based and we do translational research both um, basic basic science research in the lab, and also I'm involved in some clinical research as well. I, in addition to this, I do a lot of mentoring. I mentor young and upcoming junior scientists in the lab, which I'm super excited about. And I think that's like a, a, a good summary of what my day-to-day -day looks like. Okay, and so like, did you always wanna go into the medical field? What drew you toward this? Um, so my, my journey to science and medicine is quite um, interesting. So in the sense that my, my journey to medicine actually evolved along the line, but my journey to science has been something that has been ongoing for a long time. I think this is because as a little child, I've always had this curiosity in me. I've always been inquisitive about things around me. I've always questioned my surroundings and things that um, I found to be intriguing. For example, a typical example was this. Um, I remember when I was a little child in high school, I had this um, curiosity that I was not going to let go about aspirin. I think about it a lot that when you take aspirin from the mouth, how does it cure headache in the head? And this is something that I found very intriguing. And it was one of the reasons that inspired me to major in biochemistry during my undergraduate degree. And biochemistry is just all about solving mystery, understanding the mechanism, basically just finding answers to why. And that was how um, my journey to science began before I decided to further take further steps into my um, understanding of science and then pursue a PhD while I focus on cancer research. And I think the reason why I decided to focus on cancer research actually also boils down to my society, my surrounding. 
Where I grew up in Nigeria, I witnessed women being disproportionately impacted by cancer, especially reproductive cancers. And this really inspired to me and in me to be a part of um, teams at the cutting edge, working to help find solutions to these problems. And this is why I decided to pursue a PhD in cancer biology. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so you, you saw the problem and you want to do the research to solve it, which is uh, incredibly, incredibly admirable. So, uh, so what's the focus of your research right now? Yeah, so my research right now, we're trying to um, elucidate or understand the etiology of reproductive cancers. And more specifically, we're focused on reproductive cancers that have the tumor suppressor RID1 mutation. In addition to this, my research is also focused on evaluating novel therapeutics to help combat this disease. And one of the main reproductive cancers that we look at in our lab is um, ovarian cancer, endometrial cancer, uh, because reproductive cancer also include ovarian, endometrial, cervical cancer, they all like involve, uh, vagina cancer as well. But one of the main ones that we're heavily focused on right now, ovarian cancer, this is the fifth leading cause of death in women from cancer. And uh, it is very important that we focus on this cancer. And the, the most interesting part of it is that despite the advancements in surgery, in chemotherapy, in science and technology, yet about 80% of patients will still experience relapse with this disease and develop and what we, uh, for lack of a better word, refer to as incurable disease. Mm. And about 10% of these ovarian cancer patients we've um, noticed or we've seen or science have seen that they have um, ARID1 mutation in the clear cell and endometrial cancer. And this is why my research is um, trying to understand how we can identify Nova therapeutics to help um, provide uh, effective therapeutics for this unique, uh, unique patient population. And so, yes, that's kind of like summarizes what my research is all about. Okay, okay. That sounds uh, important and, and very complicated. So, so thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So, so it's Black History Month, and I, I understand that you are making history as the first Black postdoc in your lab. Tell me, what, what's that like? Absolutely. Um, I, think, I think the most um, phenomenal thing and the most inspiring and unique part of this is that is uh, the fact that while you're trying to um, reach a milestone, you're also experiencing a milestone. And the reason why I say this is because that while it's true I've been the first Black postdoc in my lab, the reality is that despite the fact that I've been to various institutions, I've also presented at multiple conferences at the national and international level, which are places where you meet people in the field, it took me getting to Yale to see my first Black postdoc. So open at the same time, while I'm being the first black, uh, the first black postdoc in my lab, I'm also witnessing that for the first time mm. <laughs> myself, which is very profound. And you just understand, it kind of like underscore to us as a society where there is so much work that is needed to be done to help increase diversity in science, especially in STEM. And this is important at multiple levels because like, especially in the field of cancer, cancer research, there's a lot of disparity and inequity in cancer research, especially um, also in, in patient outcome as well. Mm. So it's important for us to have those people at the field, those working at the cutting edge researcher, to also represent and also be focused on cancers that really uh, represent the diverse patient population we're hoping to serve. 
<laughs> so um and this is something which um i think is very like important because there's a lot of like barriers limiting the retention of especially uh minority black uh, people in academia and it's very important to find ways in which uh, intentional ways that can be um, implored to uh, recruit and retain them in academia and so yeah I, I feel so grateful i feel so blessed most of all i feel very privileged to be in this position to help inspire people mm. and to show them that um that this is what a scientist look like and just kind of like drifting away from traditional view of words a female scientist should look like and i'm so excited about that yeah scientists should look like everyone right it does not there's not there's not one look there's not <laughs> one look so no that's 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 fantastic and, and and as as a researcher like how do you think we address the inequities and disparities in cancer research how do we how do we find more diversity in that field yes i think i think this is such a very um unique question and a very interesting question because you, you can answer this question multifaceted from different angles I think one very important part in terms of like increasing diversity or tackling inequity in cancer research is education. Those that are currently there, the current researchers that we have, the existing researchers that we have, I think it's very important to educate them on the importance of having representative samples, right, from experimentation, testing sample, the population they focus their research on, and also like educating them on the importance of um, making this, um, the science, the scientific process, experimental procedures, making them more representative because um, the result from these studies, it's, it's going to be um, applied to a patient population, which is not monolithic, a patient population that is very diverse. That um, and, and so it's very important to like highlight this to those um, currently at the field. In terms of like helping to like improve the situation, I think there's many things that can be done at many level, multiple level. There's a need for better mentorship for those coming into the program, coming into the field. And the reason why I talk about like need for better mentorship is because when I began my PhD, I actually I think at the midpoint of my PhD, we were um, two black students in the lab, we're both female, not in the lab, sorry, in my class. And we we're both female were the only black people in my class. And it was very interesting because the second black girl suddenly dropped out of the program. And while um, she obviously and definitely have her reasons, I think if she had um, strong um, mentorship or support, I think it might have um, changed a story a little bit. And that is why I feel so very grateful and so privileged to be surrounded by so many community of mentors, that help ensure they guide me, they um, advise me, they support me at multiple levels and multiple stages of my career. And also like, it also comes down to like the admission process, recruitment, trying to make the graduate school application process more accessible to minority students, trying to provide um, kind of like, um, for lack of a better word, I would say like incentive to encourage people into science and STEM. And this makes me think about like one program that I was a part of at the early stage of my PhD, which is called the K-12 program. And what we do is that we go to like high school or like middle school, elementary school, and try to do some really fancy, cool scientific demonstration to help encourage little kids to like build their interest in science. Yeah. I think this is important if, um, if this effort has been done more intentionally, it's been targeted to like 
communities where there is a high concentration population of black and brown people, especially black people, and helping them right from like the growing stage from their formative years. They're trying to like make science interesting and exciting to them. I think those are ways in which um, graduate programs can be more intentional in ensuring that the applicant pool that applies to their schools um, are more representative of the people population in our society. Also like making admission processes um, less um, cumbersome in the sense of, I'm not talking about like statistics that is being used to gauge them. When I talk about being cumbersome is just kind of like providing support, like providing like personal statement writing workshop for minority students, things that can help increase the way they navigate through the journey. And this is why um, I feel super um, excited and privileged, which is one of the main focus of my Instagram page, trying to like demystify this process for people, for those coming up, uh, the next generation of scientists. And, and I think the reason why I'm super like passionate about this is because when I look at my upbringing, my background, I feel uniquely um, privileged because um, not only am I not the first PhD in my family, both extended and immediate, I was not the first PhD in my immediate family. And so I had people from my immediate family that really like walked me through the process, mm. which helped demystify the process for me and made me realize what I need to do when I need to do it. And this is a really important when you talk about like graduate school, especially navigating through the admission process. And so yeah, I really hope I answered your question. Yeah. No, 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 I think that I think you did. Yeah, that that was great. And 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 you know, to your point, it some of those processes seem so overwhelming. Yeah. And they they don't have to be, right? And so I think the work that you're doing there and the way you're demystifying that is so, so helpful. So you, you mentioned this, I think, as a little bit as a part of your answer, but why is it so important to inspire that next generation? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Oh, yes, absolutely. I think it is super important to inspire the next generation of scientists and uh, future physicians as well, um, especially in field like my field, biomedical sciences, which involves a lot of collaboration between science and medicine. Mm. It's very important to inspire the next generation, mm -hmm. not only because um, those who are trying to help, they, it's important to be representative of them, because when you, when, when, when you, when you represent patient population, you can uniquely relate to certain struggles, certain limitations that they mm. face. You can bring unique and diverse perspective to table, to discussion, to decisions being made. And so it's super important to be able to like inspire the next generation to help ensure that these the, the troubles and challenges that you pass through, the next generation can find it easier. And not only for this, when you think about, aside from like the academic aspect of it. When you think about we as a society where there's a lot of socioeconomic gaps, mm. we've seen that there seems to be like a correlation between your level of education and kind of like, um, I don't want to say wealth. Wealth is not the right way. Um, also like with salary gaps, for mm. example, like we have a right. PhD, it can increase your chances of getting a better job and at least on a minimum, you won't fall into the um, lower category in terms of socioeconomic skill. So I think it's important because not, not just for academic reason, I think it will help the society economically. It will help um, bridging the gaps that we have in our society in terms of um, SES. Uh, and so it's, it's important to like help ensure that many people know how 
to go through this process and navigate through this journey and just to kind of like give back to your society, give back to a lot of people that paved the way for me to get here. There have been a lot of scientists, women scientists, like the saying goes like um, some people had worked for me to run. And so mm. it's important to just like pass on the baton and keep this rolling and keep encouraging people and keep um, letting them realize that they could be what they hope to be and it, making them think beyond the usual stereotype. Making them think of other things that they could be. And I think that would really be important for us as a society as we move forward. Mm, that's that's very well said. People walk so you can run. I really like that statement. That was really good. Uh, so so how can our listeners help? I mean, if they're they're listening to this episode, uh, is there something that they could do to, to contribute to today? Um, yeah. When you when think about like... Um, what the listeners can do to contribute. Um, I think one way they can do that is by encouraging um, people that they know they're interested in scientific field, trying to encourage them through the process, be a source of support, mentorship for them in cancer field. Mm-hmm. And um, moving out, moving forward from that perspective of like um, coming in the entry point as well, I think um, what the listeners could do, especially those e- existing currently in academia, is for them to be more intentional in how they mentor, um, especially minority researchers in science, be more intentional in making themselves accessible to become a source of support and mentor to them. You don't need to be a minority to mentor a fellow minority. You can be a part of the majority group and also be um, a source of mentor to people. I've had um, very important and meaningful mentors in my life, where some of them don't fall under um, traditional minority groups. Mm. And it's important to um, know that as people, as humans, we have this responsibility to ourselves, to our society, to humanity, to help um, diversify the face of science, the future of science, helping ensure um, this set of people can get into leadership position mm-hmm. where they make impactful decisions that help impact um, human health, population health, mm-hmm. and just to making sure like we as a society can move forward together and grow together. That's right. That's right. It, 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 you know, diversifying science helps us to do better science, right? And it helps Perfect. everyone. So so we can we can encourage that and we can mentor people for that. And uh, and the typical people that we think of when we think science, that's not who scientists are. Scientists are, are everyone. So uh, that's fantastic. Well, uh, Zainab, this is so great. I, I really appreciate the work that you're doing. And thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Do you have, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share? Um, what else can I say? Um... If you can dream it, you can be it. The sky is not a limit. It's just a stepping stone. And I, re- I wish you good luck in your journey and um, keep kicking science in the, for lack of a better word, in the box. <laughs> I love that. I love that. If you can dream it, you can be it. That, those, are, those are great words to live by. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Real Pink, a weekly podcast by Susan G. Komen. For more episodes, visit realpink.komen.org. And for more on breast cancer, visit komen.org. Make sure to check out at Susan G. Komen on social media. I'm your host, Adam. You can find me on Twitter at AJ Walker or on my blog, adamjwalker.com.